tools in the back. strong enough in the daytime. Tonight it'll work. Tonight it better. Take the wheel. Now, in Punta Prieta, in August the 7th, three Americans stopped for provision at a store owned by Jose Andrade. Andrade gave an accurate description of Meyer as being one of them. 
Another witness stated that three men came out of the store and drove away in a green sedan bearing the same plate. This confirms our theory that Collins and Bowen are with them. He seems to be heading south, all right, staying clear of all main highways. Exactly. Now, to the west, this is more or less barren and would afford no means of escape. His most logical move would be Santa Rosalia, then Juamas. Sure that fire's out. Pull the coffee out. Get down! I gotta get a closer look at that car. On your feet. Through there. At the other end, lie flat. Get going. What are you trying to do, wreck it? Drive like I tell you. seen with Emmett Myers, mass killer, is being stepped up by the hour. Helicopters are working in ships, scouring the entire area from El Centro South to the Gulf of California. The planes are maintaining close liaison with the ground, reporting isolated cars and campers. The Mexican police have now joined this strange race against death. en el camino. Sí, señor. Pasamos un carro. ¿Qué marca? Oh, la marca no me acuerdo. Era un sedán verde. Por cierto que tenía una llanta ponchada y dos hombres le estaban arreglando. ¿Dos hombres? Favor de abajarse. Con mucho gusto.
Señor Alvarado, creo que estos saben algo. Si le enseñamos la fotografía, posiblemente... ¿Pasaron ustedes dos personas en el camino? Sí, señor. ¿Ninguno de los dos que pasaron se parecía a este? No, honradamente no sabemos, señor. ¿Cómo a cuántos kilómetros de aquí nos pasó usted? Pues verá usted, como a 10 kilómetros. ¿Sobre el mismo camino? Por ese mismo camino, señor. Muchas gracias. De nada. Ya se puede venir. Quédese en este crucero. Voy a ver si los alcance. on the pump. del 41. Sí, sí, pronto. Now, as you will notice, when interrogated at the roadblock, the man and his wife were very definite in their statement that they only saw two men. This was below El Arco. There is a point, however, which we feel is of importance. The couple stated that the behavior of the men seemed strange, that they refused to talk to them. Of course, there's a possibility that Myers may seal nearby, covering the two men, which would account for their behavior. We are following true on that possibility. Now, on the assumption that Myers is listening to the car radio, 
We're issuing these broadcasts in the States, containing false information as to his whereabouts and not connecting the two men with him. We'd appreciate your cooperation and following the same procedure. This ought to be the main highway. Yeah, it isn't. What do you mean? Looks like an abandoned airstrip. Well, it's okay for tonight. Head over there. No, Ray, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's no use you're trying to talk me out of it. Tonight, I'm going to chance it. You're out of your mind. I've played it your way long enough. From now on, we're each on our own. It's no good. We've got to stay together. I told you that. I get a break. I'm going to take it. You do whatever you want. I do. Across the runway, there's trees. to get ideas. I don't like that. Hold them in the car. Your buddy's all washed up for the night.
down that shaft. Nice and deep. This is fine. Cut it out. If you're going to kill us, do it and get it over with. Thought you never killed without a reason. Go get the rest of canned goods out of the car. We'll have a real good meal. Next guy that picks you up. Anything you say. We interrupt this hour of music to bring you a flash bulletin. California and Mexican police officials have abandoned their previously held theory that Emmett Myers is connected with the disappearance of Gilbert Bowen and Roy Collins of El Central, California. They have been missing since last Sunday night, supposedly on a fishing trip. The police on both sides of the border now feel that Myers is traveling alone and has apparently abandoned his intention of seeking escape by way of Santa Rosalia. <laughs> what do you know? This kind of changes my plans. Looks like you and me are going fishing after all. On your feet. Head for the car. Let's go. We're not going any place. Stand up! What did you do to us? There's a great big hole in that crankcase. All right. We'll walk. Just for that sore ankle of yours needs, Collins. A nice long hike. gear out of the back. Move.
Let's get going. Maybe we'll have to leave you here. Too bad. Come on, Roy, try. Stand the filthy stuff.
know, Collins? You're just about my size. Put you in a black shirt and dark pants with a leather jacket. You look just like Emmett Myers to anyone who never saw him. Ain't nobody in Santa Rosalia ever saw him. Let's change. Get up in the bank and take your clothes off. problems, wouldn't it? Not if they found they made a mistake, it wouldn't. We'll hit some little joint in the outskirts. I might even buy you boys a beer. Get moving. Buenas tardes, señores. Buenas tardes. Give us three beers. Yo, yo no hablo inglés. He doesn't speak English. When I want you to talk, Max, I'll tell you. Sit down, Collins. Rest your sore foot. You can talk it now. Ask him about the ferry to Guamas. I'll be watching his face. If he starts looking frightened, I start shooting. Cuando sale el chalón para Guamas? Los martes y viernes a las nueve de la noche. Friday, that's today, and Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Ask him where we catch it. Donde hay puedo embarcar? En el muelle. Pero ahora no pueden embarcarse, porque el mes pasado se quemó y lo están reparando en Guaymas. You're out of luck. Ferry burned up. It's being repaired in Guaymas. You're lying. Ask him if he knows anyone speaks English. Yo no hablo bien español. Uh, no comprendo. Uh, usted no habla inglés. Yo no, pero mi primo José sí. Venga conmigo. He says he has a cousin who speaks English. Follow him. Up. José, 
¡Levántate! ¡Despierta! José, José, mm, despierta. Mm. ¿Qué hubo? ¿Qué pasó? Estos americanos quieren hablar contigo. Los dejo aquí con mi primo. Si algo necesitan, confianza, ¿eh? What can I do for you? I want to find out about the ferry to Guamas. You want to go fishing? Too bad. Uh, no ferry anymore for the next two months, maybe. She burned up. Thank you. Fishing is pretty good here. Uh, not as good as Guaymas or La Paz, but okay. You have motorboat? You know someone has a boat? Sure, sure. My friend Jaime, he have one. Mm, motor runs good. How do we get to this Jaime? In the mine where he works. Let's go. He's not finished until six. I fix it for you tomorrow morning. I want to go now. Oh. At six, then. By the time my friend gets the boat ready, there is no sun. My friend does not like using too much boat at night. He he sees his wife and kids Give him some only more. at night. For me? Yeah. You pay my friend too? Yeah. You be up here at 830. The name of the boat is Estrella. A thousand thanks, senor. We go around the town and wait by the water till it gets dark. Let's go. Fishing when you got a chance. That's what you came down here for, wasn't it? You guys are really fools. If you weren't, one of you would have got away. But you kept thinking about each other, so you missed some chances. You got tired. You slowed down. Now it's pretty late. Yeah, tomorrow I'll be in Guaymas. Too bad you're not making the whole trip with me. <laughs> That'd be kind of silly, wouldn't it? You stink, Myers. You smell just like your clothes. Sure, you'll make it to Guaymas, but they'll catch up with you and put you out of your misery. You haven't got a chance. You haven't got a thing except that gun. You better hang on to it. 
because without it, you're nothing. You're finished. Shut up! Gracias, Carlos. Este hombre estaba en la cantina de mi primo. Se va esta noche en la estrella, el barco de mi amigo Jaime. No, Carlos, no estoy borracho. Llámele a la policía. Bueno, bueno. La policía. No, 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 no. La policía. little walk all by yourself down the alley and out on the dock me and bone will follow if you try to tip anyone off or let bone have it you wouldn't want that to happen would you get going
this way. Do as he tells you, Myers. You're all through. Defend la policia! That was, oh, look, I'm in black and white. What happened? I know. I saw that. That was pretty good going along with it. Yeah, I figured I'd play with it. Figured I'd play with it. This is cool. I like this. Neat. All right. Well, um, Radix has stuff prepared, so we better get out of the way here. Uh, love you all. Oh, um, thought I heard something about the president holding a rally in Georgia. That he's Ooh. like he's actually holding it. It's not going to be just like a rally for him. I don't it's, know. It's going to be rally by him. It seemed to be what people were saying. So, well, if I hear it positive, I'll let you know. Cool. Alrighty, everybody. I'm out of here. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. All right. Let's see. Um, I don't know if I, well, I don't know if I need to put the link to the show prep out. I think that we might as well just go right into it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Let me um, bring it up. I will try to find the link in a minute here to put out into show prep. Uh, okay, so. Um, all right, so uh, tonight's show is just kind of a Thanksgiving show. It's going to follow our normal process, though. Um, let's see. I did this little Thanksgiving graphic. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Yeah, I like the black and white thing. I thought that was neat, but I don't want to do it on my camera tonight because why would I do that? So we've got a lot of stuff to cover. Um, we're going to get to it. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. You guys know what this represents? Well, 
You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. America is governed by Americans. Infiltration instead of invasion. On subversion instead of elections. On intimidation instead of free choice. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. For them, it's a war. And for them, nothing at all is out of bounds. Man will be what he was born to be. Free and independent. Book of Psalms, Psalm 5, to the chief musician upon Nehaloth, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee I will pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Amen. The book. Okay, so <laughs> here is Little Ree's Thanksgiving card. I thought that was really cute. She's adorable. We had a nice day today. I hope everybody else did too. And as she's this is like, a, she's little pokeree. <laughs> 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 she was very, like, interested in um, learning about the Native Americans and stuff. I, cool. Uh, 
I thought she would like that. And so she wanted to send that to people today. That's what we did. <laughs> okay, so let me bring up my, um, my Thanksgiving article that I wrote and put out earlier today. Okay, so um, this article is called American Gratitude, Thanksgiving and Prayer. On this Thanksgiving day, I wanted to take the time to remind people about the true meaning of Thanksgiving and maybe to provide a little history as well. So many of us don't always feel grateful for the things we should. Often when we are going through struggles, disappointments or frustration, we are not feeling thankful. It's difficult to feel gratitude during those times but when things are going really good in our lives, we fail to take the time to stop and thank God for his blessings. Yet when things do not go our way, we rush to condemn God and ask him why he would let this happen to us. This reflects all too well our sinful and fallen nature that gratitude doesn't come naturally to us. We have to work conscientiously on it, struggling to remember to be always grateful and thank the Lord for our blessings. Gratitude is connected, I believe, to repentance. When we repent for our sins, we remember that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we are all sinners, and thus we remember to be grateful for the many blessings God has gifted even to sinners such as us in his infinite mercy. A little history, quote, it has been said, the history of Thanksgiving began when pilgrims and Native Americans gathered together to celebrate a successful harvest. The first Thanksgiving was held in the fall of 1621 and was a three-day feast. The pilgrims were joined by approximately 90 of the local Wampanoag tribe, including Chief Massasoit, in celebration. They ate fowl and deer for certain, and most likely also ate berries, fish, clams, plums, and boiled pumpkin. Though the current holiday of Thanksgiving was based on the 1621 feast, it did not immediately become an annual celebration or holiday. Sporadic days of Thanksgiving followed, usually declared locally to give thanks for a specific event, such as the end of a drought, victory in a specific battle, or after a harvest. It was until October 1777 that all 13 colonies celebrated a day of Thanksgiving. The very first National Day of Thanksgiving was held in 1789 when President George Washington proclaimed Thursday, November 26, to be a, quote, day of public thanksgiving in prayer, unquote, to especially give thanks for the opportunity to form a new nation and the establishment of a new constitution. Yet even after a national day of Thanksgiving was declared in 1789, Thanksgiving was not an annual celebration. So that's interesting. Father Pavlatos of St. John the Baptist Greek Orthodox Church wrote a true Thanksgiving in 2012 to remind us of our history and where this holiday comes from. 
He begins by talking about the earliest historical references to a feast by the pilgrims and the Wampanoag tribe to celebrate a good harvest. This feast was a celebration, but not yet a national holiday. George Washington then proclaimed November the 26th to be a national day of public Thanksgiving in prayer. Um, it wasn't until President Abraham Lincoln, in the midst of the Civil War, wrote a proclamation declaring Thanksgiving Day a national holiday to be observed. Lincoln's Thanksgiving Proclamation. On October 3rd, 1863, in Washington, D.C., President Lincoln issued the following proclamation regarding the need for a national day of Thanksgiving and giving praise to the Lord for our blessings. He also ties in the need for us to repent for our sins and ungrateful behavior. Quote, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they came, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war, unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations, order has been maintained, and the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines, as well as the iron in coal for our, uh, as of our precious metals and have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Exerted from an article about the history of Thanksgiving, our national population has steadily increased notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege and the battlefield and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It is seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged, as with one heart and one voice, by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November, next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens, and I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care 
all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in the lamentable, lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the imposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purpose to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. In testimony whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. That was President Abraham Lincoln. And, um, you know, he's talking here about being grateful and thankful. And this is in the middle of a terrible civil war. You know, probably um, the, the worst the country's been, I would say, we're getting close there again, you know, the most divided, right? It is clear that in the midst of this cruel and horrid civil war between brothers, President Lincoln wanted to remind everyone of our common heritage and be uniting in its message to all Americans. Sadly, following Lincoln, modern presidents like Franklin Delano Roosevelt decided to denigrate this national holiday and he attempted to change the date of it. Then the moneylenders and greedy businessmen turned it into a time for shopping by declaring the day after Thanksgiving Black Friday. This, of course, reduces the meaning of what was supposed to be a time of contemplation, prayer, repentance, and gratitude into a secular day of commercial consumerism. Focusing on our blessings. Interestingly, the word Eucharist comes from the Greek Eucharistia, which translates as Thanksgiving. This is a reminder to the Christian that every day should be a celebration of Thanksgiving. St. George Orthodox Church reminds us of the importance of having always an attitude of gratitude. They write of this story about Jesus and the 10 lepers. I think that this is a fascinating story. And it's really, um, it's just so like, like us as people, right? This is from how many thousand years ago. And these people, they just act like people that act like they are, they do now. I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of interesting case study here. Uh, where are the nine? Where are the nine? This is what Jesus says after he heals the 10 lepers in today's gospel from the 12th Sunday of Luke. He says this because only one of the 10 returned to Jesus, glorified him, and gave him thanks. How sad is that? Only one. Only one said thank you. That's stunning. And that one leper was not even a Jew. He was a Samaritan, a foreigner. Now, some people today might say Jesus should have been nicer and thanked the one leper for returning to him instead of focusing on the nine who did not. But Jesus did not do this. Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine, he says, and further emphasizes the point by adding, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? 
The lesson, of course, is the importance of thanksgiving, being thankful, having an attitude of gratitude. Jesus himself sets the example when he feeds the 5,000 in the wilderness, and he took the seven loaves and fish and gave thanks, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. This event was a prefiguring of the Eucharistic Last Supper when Jesus did the same thing. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. The word Eucharist coming from the Greek Eucharista meaning thanksgiving. Thus, what's the most profound way we say thanks to God? It is by humbly preparing for the receiving of and responding to the reception of the body and blood of our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, many of us do not prepare properly, do not receive frequently, and do not respond appropriately to the receiving of Holy Communion. Where are the nine? Jesus is not the first person to give thanks to God. He comes in a long line of faithful figures from the Old Testament who were blessed and healed by God and remembered to give him thanks. King David, the author of the Psalms, started many of them with an expression of thanksgiving. The church lifts up the book of Psalms for us as our official prayer book, and King David shows us the importance of giving thanks to God before asking anything of him in prayer. Long before King David, after God led the Israelites out of Egypt, he gave them the law through Moses. And in that law were instructions for how to worship God. And part of that worship was sacrifices, and some were offerings of thanksgiving to God. God made, made us, he knows how we work, and he knows that by being thankful, we work better. Even modern research studies show that people of faith are more thankful, and that those who are thankful are more happy and generous. However, because we live in a fallen world in which our humanity is corrupted by sin, thanksgiving does not come naturally. It is not automatic. It is, like many good, holy, and righteous things, a habit, a way of thinking and behaving that must be cultivated and exercised in order to flourish and grow. Instead of cultivating thanks, we often do the exact opposite by whining and complaining. How many of us even bother to take the time to count our blessings? And if we do not, how will we know how blessed we truly are? And if we don't think we are blessed, then we'll always walk around with a sense of entitlement, like somebody always owes us something. Uh, yes. <laughs> This attitude of entitlement spoken of by St. George Church is so prevalent today among the youth. Having been starved of prayer and God's word that used to be taught in our schools, they are spiritually blind and are like lost sheep wandering around about to fall off a cliff. They lack respect for their elders and most have never stepped foot in a church. Let us say a prayer for our youth today that they may find Christ and be saved. They are truly our future. 
and we pray they become grateful and wise to the ways of the enemy. Finally, let us recall the wise words of the Apostle St. Paul in his second epistle to the Thessalonians on Thanksgiving and prayer. This is a, um, a picture of St. Peter, and he's uh, embracing St. Paul, and the two of them were not always um, the best of friends, we'll say. St. <laughs> Peter had been with Christ from the beginning, uh, when he was first called with the other apostles. And um, St. Paul, who used to be known as Saul, was not. He was a persecutor of Christians. Some say he even murdered them. But he uh, had his conversion on the road to Damascus. Um, and after that, he became very, very passionate about, you know, Christ and so he and um, Peter often like butted heads about how to do things. And Peter's like, here's this guy that, you know, is an outsider. He wasn't one of us and he's trying to tell us what to do. And Paul is like, you know, he was the Pharisee at one point. And then he became um, a Christian and he's like, well, I know how things should be done. I'm very good at like, you know, doing this and that. And he had his ideas. And so um, I think this picture is really special because it shows that they, even with all their differences, they were still able to um, come together uh, in the end. That's a, that's a really important point, and I don't think people realize that. That was almost a split off of Christianity. It was a, a, a very big divide, and uh, Paul wanted to go do his own thing and then uh, finally came back around. But... They were like outcasts and lived up in the mountains by themselves. He had a small clan. It's a very interesting story. And then mm -hmm. he did, you know, come back to Christianity. And uh, but it is, you know, nice to see that, you know, even in today or today's world, that we should be able to find a way to put aside our differences and, you know, be thankful for each other. You know, mm -hmm. exactly. And I think that it's a special story here. <laughs> I, th I think that's interesting and very relatable. Uh, even with families, you know, there's always that one family member that you don't, like, always get along with or you're always fighting with. But at the end of the day, like, for holidays and for things, you're able to come together and stuff. That's like um, <laughs> me and my sister. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, the second epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Thessalonians. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say Paul is also a very good, he's a good um, orator. He's a good writer some of the, um, I think some of the most beautiful writings come from St. Paul. He is the one that wrote one of the uh, scriptures that Q posted about love. Love is patient, love is kind. That was Paul. And he was writing that um, to remind all the Christians that like, while they have their differences, they need to remember what love is in the true sense of the word. 
Uh, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which he also suffered. Seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in the flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day." Wherefore, also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now we know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time." For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who, who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And so I think what he's talking about here is the love of the truth. That's Jesus. He is the truth. And for this, because God shall send them strong delusion, God shall send them strong delusion. That kind of seems like the times we're in now. <laughs> yeah, he's, they, he's right? talking about the Antichrist. He's talking about yeah. the end of days. He's talking about you're going to be deceived by someone who comes and, you know, makes all these claims and promises. And if you, if you don't, you know, have a relationship with God, you're going to be deceived. 
Yeah, you won't have um, the truth. Eyes, you will be blind to this stuff, and so you will be fooled by it. And that's what he's saying here. So he is saying God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And I feel like you can look around um, right now, and there are so many people that are just buying into outright lies. And to some of us, it may be obvious that, that these are lies, but to a lot of people that don't know and aren't aware of this stuff, they believe it. Like I told you guys about my neighbor, um, the one that is like paranoid about COVID and stuff and cried when Biden supposedly won the election. That is a spiritual delusion and blindness. And it's very sad and even the delusion of globalism and the new world order and uh, reparations and you know um, income you know what's it called where they give you the income each month and communism that's all yeah that's all a lie too ubi yep that's what these people don't understand the great reset another lie we could call that the great deception that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness that's the sad thing about all this is that these people who are caught up in this deception and these lies they their souls are damned they do not have the truth so they do not have god but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, establish you in every good word and work. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, 
but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. <laughs> Just like today. Yeah, it's, uh, the it's people really want the handout. <laughs> It, right. It paints that picture because it is unrighteous. You, it, it, it is God's way that, you know, if you want to eat, you, you make your bread. If you, you know, you don't, you don't take things for free because there's always a price attached to it. Yeah. I, it, it's, this is very telling in today's world. It's so funny. It's like, it's still relevant even today. And this is also how you know that this is um, this is not just the word of a man, St. Paul. It is the Holy Spirit working through him that is the word of God. So, of course, it will re be re relevant in all times. But this it's just so funny. The busybodies I see is like the Karens, you know, the people that, that don't want to work but want to get the bread and stuff. That's like these people that just want universal basic income or their reparations and not do anything or earn it. Jeez. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salvation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so I think that what's so interesting about this and the, the differences between St. Peter and St. Paul, St. Peter did not, he didn't understand going out and like evangelizing. He wanted to be converting Jews to Christianity. And it was St. Paul that was saying, no, this, the word is so important it is so revelatory and glorious we have to go out and share this with all nations and that was another contention among them and disagreement so uh, saint paul if you read about his life he had so many different journeys he went all over the world he went he was in jail for two years because <laughs> he would get in trouble going out and preaching and converting people um, you know, he just, and he also, he worked while he was doing this to pay his own way. And so it's, it's so interesting to read about the apostles because they were just men, but they also had the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I think it's interesting to read about, you know, if, if one person, one apostle hadn't been there or hadn't made a certain choice, we may not have the religion that we have today. And even St. Paul, who was a, um, a wicked man for many years, even he could be saved and become, you know, a very important person in the church. So God works through 
uh, all people, all different kinds of people, even um, horrible sinners. He can turn. Uh, he can turn them around. He can redeem them and put them into motion for his plan, like he did with St. Paul on the road to Damascus. Okay, so that's uh, up on the I website. had to, uh, I wanted to go and look because I was trying to figure out, I couldn't remember how he died. And it's rumored that he was uh, beheaded uh, by Nero in Rome. Oh, Nero, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I was trying to remember that, but that, that's a good reminder. You know, I, I think as Americans, we sometimes forget all the things that we do need to be grateful for. And, you know, I'm getting up there in age and, you know, I, I think, you know, definitely with age comes wisdom and it, life experiences. And sometimes you have to go without things to be able to truly appreciate what you do have. Um, even, you know, something as simple as having a warm bed to sleep in at night or, you know, maybe maybe your dinner wasn't, you know, this grand feast, but you should be thankful that you've got sustenance at all. And, you know, the clothing that you wear on your back. And, you know, whenever you see people that are out there living on the streets that have, you know, very little, they treasure what they do have, you know, it's, I don't know, like, it, even, even things like, you know, your ability to see and hear or you know feel the sun on your face i mean those are yeah. all blessings that we really take for granted every single day but the moment that it's taken away from you i mean that's whenever you you feel that loss so it is a good re reminder to be thankful for everything that you have that you know whether it be a possession or you know family or you know, just even the sensation, because there's people out there that, you know, we we sit here and breathe, you know, air, oxygen, and there's people out there that, that have a difficult time doing that, that would, you know, that would yeah. be their only wish in life is that they could breathe clearly, you know, or I don't know, I just, uh, I took the message to heart. It was a great article. Thank you. No, I think that that's absolutely right. A lot of times, because we're comfortable with our lifestyles and the things that we have, that you know, we we don't think about how blessed we are to have certain things. I remember what it was like being homeless and living out of a suitcase and having one pair of shoes, um, because that wasn't that long ago for me. I can still remember those times and what that was like but I also I don't remember it very often yeah I mean unless I ha it's like one of the things like I have issues with hoarding and stuff and I have to remember like I I can always get a new sweater or jacket like I don't need to hold on to this stuff so that's the right. only time yeah. now that I think about these things is um, I mean, they're, like they're possessions. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're possessions. But you know, none of that isn't what makes your life important. But to have comfort, just pure comfort, to be able to take a shower, you know, to be able to brush your teeth, to you know, be able to speak with someone. You know, imagine being in a nursing home for Thanksgiving and not having your family near and having, you know, there. There's a lot of people out there that 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 
that suffer with these things that we take for granted every day. And, you know, think about the people around the world, you know, who, you know, they, they don't have clothing or they don't have a roof over their heads. You know, we have so much to be grateful for. And I'm very grateful. Me too. And remember the thing that you sent me earlier today, the people in California whose electricity is getting shut off by these communists. Good Lord. Could you imagine that on Thanksgiving, you know, uh, what is it? South Edison just decides we're going to shut off the power. Why not? Because of wind. That's Mm -hmm. so evil. And like, I just... I, there's a couple things so there I saw one I'm sure people out there have seen it of it was in Australia where I think it was some kid that was in a restaurant without a mask and they came in and arrested him put a chokehold on his neck he was totally unconscious they dragged him across the floor um, and then I just saw another one where it was in Toronto I think where uh, this guy owns a barbecue shop and the police came and arrested him for you know, the coronavirus stuff and I don't know we have a lot to be grateful for a lot to be thankful for and a lot to fight for yep that's right the next thing I had here that is um it's in your show prep uh this is I thought this was interesting I came upon this article yesterday the real red pill orthodoxy and conspiracy theories. And I thought it was kind of funny and interesting. So I wanted to share it with you guys. It's like, it's neat when you think about it in this perspective. Um, The origin of the American fixation with conspiracy theories is hard to trace through history. Perhaps the very fact that our nation emerged from a revolution against its motherland has something to do with this proclivity. Some historians point to the role of secret societies like the Freemasons in the plot leading up to American independence. But it is probably true that our founding fathers spent more time meeting in pubs over pints than they did gathering under the cloak of darkness at a Masonic lodge. And although some American religious groups forbade membership in secret societies, The majority of mainline Christian denominations permitted its members to attend both a Sunday morning church service and Monday evening Masonic meeting. Ironically, one of the largest religious bodies to explicitly ban connection to secret societies was the Roman Catholic Church, who themselves were often accused by Protestant Americans of being agents of papal conspiracy. Although rumors and theories persist concerning the influence on society by secret societies like the Masons and the Illuminati, who are alleged to have survived until now, present fears concerning conspiracies have, in fact, been shaped by different forces. After decades of Cold War tensions marked by intelligence and counterintelligence agents and double agents, and with the declassification of actual conspiracies, under the 1967 Freedom of Information Act, such as MKUltra and the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, uh, we just talked about that the other day, Americans have become aware of the fact that their government, ever growing greater in its power and more questionable in its ethics, 
does not always have the best interest of every citizen in mind. Historically, it was expected that the media would be a watchdog on governmental reach, keeping our leaders in check. And yet today, many feel the media has become a part of the problem, serving either partisan interest or the oligarchs who own their franchises. And then came the internet. It's so weird. It's so weird that you did this because uh, just the other day I was looking at this and uh, it was a big controversy that they were awarding, the Pope was awarding um, bishop status to Freemasons and it caused a big stink and they had to like reverse that order and I was trying to find the reasons why they said and it was because uh, you can't be in secret societies but they never went into the deeper level of it and it's interesting how they're talking about how you know they would just go to these pub meetings and stuff which is true because if yeah. you're you know a, a, a third level mason you don't really understand what the purpose of that religion is nope. and i call it a religion because that's what it is you know oh, so sure they would be sitting yeah they'd, they'd be sitting there drinking beers and stuff <laughs> but uh it's it's a, a satanic religion <laughs> and um you know back in the day the pope said no way you can't you can't be doing this but unfortunately the things have changed uh with the catholic religion Oh yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say I shouldn't even say that they've changed. I should just say that uh at that at that time they reined it back in and today they're just blatant. Yeah, well there was a some kind of papal bull that was issued that was like forbidding this association with Freemasons and then at another point that was like reversed. And so even now today they're allowed to be like Freemasons who worship Lucifer, that is what, uh, you know, 32nd degree Freemasons have said, people who are supposedly like at the top, that is what they say. So I don't see how this, like, how do these things reconcile? Um, but yeah. from, from the Orthodox perspective, the Roman Catholic Church is very pagan and um, is sort of, you know, already uh, not following, like, god basically <laughs> right when they when they talk about the light they're not talking about the light of jesus or god they're talking no. about the light of satan which the is false light right mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly true um pam has played this video of a guy that's interviewing a freemason and it is so creepy He's i want to see that <laughs> oh my god i have to see it he's an old guy and he calls himself like virtuous and good but also says like he serves lucifer it is right. bizarre they're, they say that they're virtuous and good because they're 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 bringing about the new world order and they're that's what they're trying to do so that's virtuous to them they feel that's their message and their goal and that's their life purpose it's crazy i watched a really weird video i think it was in australia and it was like all of these um freemason cults you know the leaders of these different sections from around the world they all went to this one big huge like arena and put on this show it was so creepy mm. and just they they just like the you know elitists and cabalists that claim to be doing all this charity work it isn't what you think it is <laughs> exactly. it isn't 
<laughs> it isn't, you know, and uh, it's 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 frightening that this has gone on for so long without them being exposed. That should tell you how yeah. serious it is. Well, and to them, they're so-called good works. Well, what does the Bible say about the uh, the road to hell, right? It's paved with good intentions. Your good works are meaningless if you're doing them for self-glorification and to say, look at me, I'm a good special boy. That's not how it works. You are not saved by good works. You're saved by grace, which comes from God. Not anything you do. That yep. is pride speaking and, and arrogance. It's very specific in the Bible that that's not, you're supposed to do good deeds because they're good, not for recognition. Exactly. That's right. And a lot of the times, Jesus, when he was healing people, he would tell them, like, now go and don't speak of this. Of course, they wouldn't listen, but that's what he would tell them, you know? So, right. yeah, I mean, this is, I think it's inter an interesting perspective, and that's why I wanted to share this article. And by the way, this is written by a priest, so keep that in mind. Like, this is a, a priest who clearly is very aware of all of the things going on today. Um, Enoch says, grace probably comes following humility exactly um at first the world wide web was championed as the ultimate form of free speech and democracy giving a voice to the least of these the power of both the government and media giants could be challenged by free-thinking reporters and whistleblowers leveling the playing field once more but as with any tool the internet can be used for both good and evil. While providing an alternative to the mainstream narrative, the mainstream would gradually co-opt the web for its own purposes. And on the other end of the spectrum, devious players began to appear, particularly in less regulated virtual spaces like 4chan, where misanthropy and wild conspiracies began to fester. When everyone has a voice, we discover how dark some of those voices truly are. It's a really good point. There's a lot of, you know, spooks that go on there and put out disinformation. They put out a lot of pornography and stuff on, you know, the chance. So that's a really good point. Today, we are inundated by an enormous range of contradictory messages in the media and on the internet. And with our tendency to mistrust those in power, there is a constant temptation to travel down the rabbit hole and be lost in the labyrinth of conspiracy theories. We're constantly being invited to swallow the, the red pill and wake up to what is really going on around us. But we must ask ourselves as Orthodox Christians, is this helpful? Regardless of whether some of these theories turn out to be true or not, what benefit do we gain by entertaining them? As a minority in this land, Orthodox Christians may look to the early church for guidance on this issue. From its inception, Christianity was opposed to society by society's power brokers. Immediately after the first day of Pentecost, the authorities in Judea began to attack the church. And as membership grew in the first few decades, Roman emperors Nero and Dominitan would both instigate localized persecutions. This trend would continue for almost three centuries with countless believers joining the ranks of the martyrs until Galerius 
would finally promulgate the issue of toleration in 311, followed by Constantine's Edict of Milan in 313. During these times, a very real conspiracy against the church was apparent, and yet Christians didn't focus on the conspiracy itself, but rather on the role they were to play within society. So how did they live in those days? Both the New Testament and writings of early saints seem unconcerned with the power of the persecutors. They understood that God is also the Lord of history and that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. In spite of the hatred often uh, fulminated against Christians, they continued to love and pray for society and its leaders. They continued to feed the poor, take in orphans, and minister to the sick. This is because they understood two realities. First, they believed our true enemy is not our fellow man, but the devil and his horde of demons. St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly places. The real conspiracy at play is the evil one's plot to affect our eternal damnation. Second, they believe that humans, unlike demons, are always dynamic characters in the narrative of salvation. Every person can be redeemed, and therefore he or she cannot truly be our enemy. Others may unwittingly serve evil, being duped by Satan, but the power of Christ is ever able to convert them if they would just give him an inroad. Thus our Lord commands us to love them, even if they act as our adversaries at the present moment. Once we recognize that the fallen angels are really the ones out to get us, we begin to realize that the real red pill we need to swallow is that of waking up to this demonic plot. The New Testament writers all refer to the current epoch as the last days, beginning with the resurrection of Christ and culminating with his coming again. We are not told when our Lord will actually return to judge the living and the dead, but until then, we are instructed to be vigilant and watch and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So while there may be many causes that we are invited to join in order to fight against worldly power, God calls us primarily to spiritual warfare. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The true conspiracy has already been exposed by Jesus Christ. 
as we proclaim each year on Pasha, he has already emerged triumphant over the enemy. It now remains for us to participate in his victory by allowing him to win the battle for our hearts. I thought that was very good. That is good. And, you know, here's like, we talk about all these evil, hor horrible people that have done all of these horrible deeds. And we always, you know, it isn't for us to, to judge that. I mean, we have to speak up and speak out against it. It is not acceptable in our society. But right. the ultimate goal is that, honestly, the ultimately ultimate goal is for them to find God and to, um, you know, repent for their sins. And that is what shows glory to God, because that is a miracle. When you, when someone who is so evil and so wicked, uh, receives the word of God and becomes, uh, I guess you could say a born again Christian, right? Yeah. That is the ultimate glory. That is what God's goal is. So, you know, forgive it's about forgiveness where you know you shouldn't forgive someone who you know continuously does these dirty deeds but if it and i hate to say it and this is hard for me to say but if hillary clinton had this great awakening and she was able to find god and truly repented of her sins then in my heart i would forgive her i hate to say that it's hard for me to do but that is an ultimate victory for god that that is about praising God and his miracles. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and, I, you know, even like we talked about with Paul, even somebody that was a murderer and was a persecutor of Christians can be turned around into one of the most important um, of the church elders, right? And it was St. Paul that wrote, that wrote what we just read, you know, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness. That was written by St. Paul. So I think that that is important to keep in mind. Um, and it just makes sense. It's reminding you of the bigger picture, right? Um, <laughs> well, we're, we're told that if we can't forgive, how should we be forgiven, right? We're not, exactly. we're not free of sin either. <laughs> so if, if we can't forgive others, why should God forgive us? That's right. That's exactly what the church says. Um, I wanted to share this because I thought this was awesome. This uh, was put out by CNN today. Trump administration removes experts from defense policy board. Now check this out. This, you guys will think this is funny because I'm constantly complaining about like, why was Kissinger at the White House, you know, back in May, da, da, da. Listen to this. Several high profile members of the defense policy board were removed on Wednesday by the Trump administration and yet another purge of long-standing foreign policy experts and national security establishment figures in the final days of the Trump era, according to three defense officials. Of course, CNN puts their slant on it, but listen to who it is. Members who were suddenly removed include former secretaries of state Madeleine Albright, Whoa. Henry Kissinger, Wow. Henry Kissinger, the criminal who built China, Madeleine Albright, who said it was totally worth it to, you know, have killed over a million Iraqi children, 
uh, former ranking member of the House Intel Committee, Jane Harmon, and former House Majority Leader, Eric Cantor, two of the officials said. Now, why is former members like this, why are they on this board? I mean, this shows you the deep state right here. Even when these people are voted out, they, they don't leave. They go to the Defense Policy Board, which is an outside advisory group of former high-profile NATSEC officials who provide the Secretary of Defense and Deputy Secretary of Defense independent, informed advice and opinions concerning matters of defense policy in response to specific tasks from the Secretary of Defense and Deputy Secretary of Defense. So you have former shitty people who came up with shitty policies advising the next people in continuing shit policies. This explains the past 20 years foreign policy perfectly, in my opinion. So that's all we need to cover as far as that goes. I am saying well done to the Trump administration for getting that gremlin that little troll Kissinger out of there and Madeline Albright. Good Lord. So thank goodness. There's going to be some interesting stuff. So I saw a notable today, which, you know, notables are notables. You got to kind of take them for what they are. You know, it could be true. It could not be true. But uh, it was very interesting. I think things are going to start really speeding up um, just because basically we can almost consider ourselves in the second term of um, Trump's presidency. And that to me is the action phase. And um, Flynn was freed yesterday on the 25th. And the notable was that done in 30, which would be Merry Christmas. So I think, I don't know, I really get the feeling that things are going to start moving really fast. Today's a holiday. It's been a very slow news day. Um, the cases that Sydney dropped last night were amazing. <laughs> uh, we, read, yes. um, we read the Georgia one from from start to finish, stayed up till three o'clock in the morning last night, reading it on air. And it was just awesome. Michigan was good too. I read that one by itself, but that's a like precedence being set there. And uh, the fact that he was, I, I showed you that other notable, which was pretty, pretty cool. But that other one that talked about, you know, done in 30 and that's Christmas day. <laughs> Really? It could be a very Merry Christmas. So I think uh, I think things are going to start moving really fast. I think we're going to see a whole lot of shakeup, a lot of stuff coming up. So buckle up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this was a thread. I just thought this was funny by Pedro Gonzalez of American Greatness. He's responding to this. Hill article from Obama, Republican Party members believe white males are victims. Okay, Obama, let's explain. Pedro says white people in general and white men specifically are in fact the biggest victims of the American regime. They're the biggest victims of interracial violence and police shootings, yet perennially play the part of public enemy number one. They are the butt of every joke. They are not allowed to celebrate their heroes and symbols and myths, but are conditioned to worship the other instead and denigrate and ignore what is theirs. We have effectively codified anti-white bias into our culture, our government, 
and into the public psyche. On top of all this, they aren't allowed to defend themselves or have been conditioned to not even realize they are under attack or to rationalize what is happening to them as something they deserve or is somehow good. As a result, they have been and continue to be fleeced by Obama and Trump, Republicans and Democrats alike. They are the expendable demographic, the quintessential forgotten man. Why do I care? Because whites in general, and white men specifically, still constitute and will constitute, uh, continue to constitute for the foreseeable future the single largest support base of populism. Truth is non-white supplement this social force, but they are not the mainspring. So I'm happy to be part of this as a brown man, but I can't help but notice the obstacle of fighting a war with our largest troop contingent demoralized and terrified and deprived of basic dignity. I think he has a good point here in that there is this like anti-white bias that is evident. Um, they're trying to put through these like bizarre racial laws and programs. We talked about the one Cory Booker's trying to put through for farms where he wants to spend like uh, 80 million or 80 billion dollars to buy land to give to black people to farm. But there are already farmers, small businesses and small farms with all different kinds of races right now that are like losing everything that could benefit from that money. Why does this have to be race based? But it's always uh, for every other group except white people. Every this other is, group. This is part of this was part of my great awakening. So I was in Silicon Valley working for uh, you know, startup tech company and uh one of the things one of our businesses was technical recruiting and we were working with you know all of these big powerhouse names you know the whole big tech names out there and they would not want to hire a white man no matter what his skills were he, he could be you know the grand wizard of tech and programming and you know the greatest developer in the world but if he was a white man they wouldn't want to hire him they wanted a woman or someone of color or uh, someone who was lesbian or gay and it was for their diversity stuff and it drove me out of my mind it literally like just put it and this was you know before this all really became an issue uh it was just painting the road to um you know white men are not acceptable it was just driving in the whole race card and bringing about this hatred towards men <laughs> and yeah. it was it turned out i ended up getting into this uh, Google group and it was run by like, I don't know, about 50 or 60 man-hating bitches, sorry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yes, and, and that was really a part of my, my great awakening. It was just one little tiny little phase of it, but it was so apparent to me. And now it's moved from hating on the white man to also hating on the white woman. Now it's about the white race in general. And that's very unfortunate. You know, I, I don't, you know, for me, I don't care what color your skin is. It's all about the content of your character. That's absolutely the way it is for me. But me saying that as a white woman, um, 
people who've been brainwashed or deceived, like we were talking about earlier, they interpret that, well, she doesn't know what it's like to be a black man or a black woman. How could she possibly understand? And obviously she's a racist. I'm not. <laughs> so you can try to paint that label on me all you want, but I'm not. You know, I want everyone to succeed. I want, you know, in, in filling those jobs, it was about who's the most qualified and who can do the best job, not because of the color of their skin exactly. or their sexuality. It drove yeah. me crazy. It, it did. Well, it's purposely divisive as well. This is so they can continuously uh, keep people pitted against one another so no one's paying attention to what they're doing. That's part of it. Um, and it's, you know, they know what they're doing. This was all part of a Soviet scheme anyways, when they recognized because of capitalism, they weren't able to divide Americans based on like class warfare. So they said, we're going to use race to pit Americans against each other. That goes back to the Communist Party. And that's well documented that they were doing that. Yeah, it's all just the way back in the 60s and 70s. And it, it had all kinds of different effects, too, because then you get, you know, these men who bow down to women and it totally changed the family structure. And it's 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 psychological. It's that's real wartime stuff there that we're talking about. And you will never, ever convince me that that did not come from a, a Marx, Marxist movement. Uh, and even in that group, there were women that were head of the BLM. It's it's all related. It's all an agenda. It, I hate to say that because it makes me sound like I'm like this conspiracy theorist or something. I'm not like this is reality. Yeah, it is. Sadly, it's the truth. So anyway, yeah, that's that. <laughs> I, uh, it, the current state of affairs of the world, you know, they painted us into this corner of like, you guys are crazy. It's not really like that. Let's just gaslight these people. They will never believe that, you know, this couldn't possibly be true. Like, this is the reality. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, oh, wow. I can't find our old... Or the social blade thing on our channel because YouTube, you know, yanked it. I was looking for our old analytics. Um, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, continuing on, I wanted to share this. Um, I don't know how many people saw this. General Flynn put this article out earlier today. Uh, a personal statement from General Flynn to America. Uh, faith, family, and friendships. Um, this is a picture of him with his wife, Lori, um, by Michael Flynn. By almighty God's grace and with the love and courage of my wife, Lori, the strength and fortitude of our families and the inspiration of our friends and every single patriot who circled me with their prayers, wisdom, and kindness, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. For the first time in more than four years, and because of my fearless attorney, Sidney Powell, the guardian angel of American justice, and thousands of good people with endless energy rallying together on my behalf, I bathe, I breathe freedom and liberty today. We're a nation founded by leaders who fought tyranny and oppression 
to ensure that all American citizens be treated fairly and equally across this land. These constitutional and God-given rights should never be denied or disguised behind false prosecution or political persecution out of fear, hate, or an opposing voice. Those who scowl at the very core of our republic and act from vengeance or revenge against one of us threaten the safety and security of all of us. Never again should any family or individual be so viciously targeted, maligned, smeared, and threatened, such has been the experience of my family and I. Not you and your loved ones, not me nor President Trump, our First Lady and the Trump children. Stand with me today in renouncing this betrayal of trust that has burdened our nation and proclaim with one united voice across this land that we will never again allow the rightful power of the citizens of this country to be uprooted, undercut, usurped or held hostage by a coup against our nation, a duly elected president or any future president of these United States. For over three decades, it has been my honor and privilege as a soldier and public servant to fight for the rights of American citizens and for citizens of the world. I have fought alongside the bravest men and women on distant battlefields in the midst of the fire and fury of war. In this fight for my life and liberties on the battlefield of justice and truth, my faith in God and the love and support of my wife, Lori, have seen me through. Along our journey together, we have been blessed to have the trust and support of million Americans millions of Americans across our great country and around the world. These are our digital army of patriots who inspired us to keep fighting, uncovered secrets we would otherwise have not known and shared with us their thoughts, dreams, and wisdom throughout this ordeal. Many months ago, one patriot wrote to me, quote, I only recently learned of you. I've been willfully ignorant of this world and the level of evil in it. God is moving in our lives, and I know my purpose now is to raise my five patriots to love God, fight for truth, and defend the United States of America, one nation under God, unquote. We are so deeply and sincerely appreciative for the force of light brought into our lives to battle on, and we will never forget the trust placed in us to never give up the search for truth. I am forever grateful to my legal team of warriors, a team that came into our lives during the most difficult times. Miss Sydney Powell entered the Flynn family's lives like an angel sent from heaven with the spite fighting spirit of David, ready to slay Goliath, and she did. <laughs> Each member of our small defense team assembled by Sydney fulfilled unique and difficult roles with a warrior spirit. Mr. Jesse Benal, a brilliant leader and polished legal street fighter, possessed an expert grasp of the law and is a common sense approach to discovering truth. Miss Molly McCann, who is an intense scholar with a superb mastery of the law, a true warrior and someone of great faith. Molly spent tireless hours researching, 
reading and writing, all the while helping her mother's fight with cancer. Mr. David Warrington's steady hand and advice on navigating the minefields of the Washington, D.C. legal circuit were always on the mark. Lindsay McCasson and Abigail Abby Fry are two determined legal professionals who were relentless in piecing together a million-piece puzzle, allowing our team to find the truth. A special thank you goes to my warrior sister, Barbara, who took on managing my legal defense fund and between her and my youngest sibling and brother, Joe, did countless interviews to help raise necessary and important funds to fight this fight. And finally, my sister, Claire Eckert, and her daughter, my goddaughter and niece, Alicia Kutzer, rounded out our team. My oldest sister, Claire, is a tough but superb legal and business professional, and Alicia is a remarkable lawyer. Without a doubt, we could not have won this fight without their counsel, exceptional research and writing abilities, as well as their unwavering love. I can never thank them all enough for taking on this monumental challenge to win. Because of them, my eyes are brighter and my heart is filled with love for my sons, their wives, my grandchildren, and for all members of our extended family of Flynn's and Andres and so many, many others who kept me going and gave me strength through their prayers and messages of hope for the future. Together, we've overcome this enormous hurdle. Now, we will get back up on our feet, dust ourselves off, and not fear what lies ahead. We may be tested again with false accusations and untruths and hatred for our beliefs and for raising our voices, but we cannot be deterred and we cannot stop. Time does not always heal all wounds, but discovering the truth has a funny way of shaping the scars. To all Americans, what we choose to do in this life should never be stopped by fear. Instead, we need to embrace the uncertainty and accept the risk that comes with sacrifice and then work to overcome the sheer magnitude of life's challenges, especially during this crucible of our nation's history. Our very survival as a nation is at stake. The Flynn's will never stop being the fighters that our parents, Charlie and Helen, taught us to be. Through generations of military in our past, and with many of us still serving our nation in one capacity or another, we will rise up to the next set of challenges together and defend our families, our homes, our honor, and our nation. Even today, perhaps more than ever before, America requires tried, true, and tested patriots to ensure the future of our children and grandchildren. And in the end, there is only one who is the judge of our ultimate destiny. God bless America, Michael T. Flynn. That's so cute. <laughs> Gets me all emotional because they've sacrificed so much, you know. They've, they're know. just such a great patriotic family. And, you know, they were under constant attack. And he's alluding to the fact that there's probably going to be more coming at him, too. So... Uh, keep them in your prayers because they definitely need it. But what a what a great victory for all of us. <laughs> We've all been yeah. fighting very hard, you know, for him and his family. And, you know, this his um, his pardon, it was a full pardon. So uh, none of it, you know, it's all wiped away. He will be able to serve in 
future positions for the administration. There's no bars on that. Um, I think the gag order has been lifted. Uh, so I think they're just waiting for that proper moment to strike. <laughs> I know, but, and I, I know that I think they were threatening his son again. They were saying, well, this pardon doesn't um, cover your son or whatever. I've seen oh, that geez. on wow. Twitter already, of course, because these people are sick. They can't help themselves. Yeah, I've seen a lot of, like, I have a, a lot of the left Democrats in a group on my Twitter under the category name of sickos <laughs> so i see yeah. their tweets and i haven't read them but you know i've already seen the ones from like uh pelosi you know how dare president trump you know uh pardon him and i saw another article something along the lines of you know he they he pardoned a guilty man and somebody oh, had please. responded you know like how many uh pardons did obama do <laughs> you know so it's uh they're they're working it they're they're playing their little cards the way they, they always do that's yeah. what they always do mm -hmm. um uh, going back to the show prep, uh, this um, article from Tacky Mag just came out today. The numbers don't lie. Across 59 cities, murders in 2020 are up 28% over 2019. 28%, guys. The murder surge is even worse in BLM cities such as a 110% increase in Milwaukee, nearby Kenosha is home to Jacob Blake, 85% in Minneapolis, George Floyd, and 79% in Louisville, Breonna Taylor. I mean, that just shows you the complete ass-backwards nature of what BLM claims to be but what it really is. And then well, this- mm -hmm. They've released all the criminals too. Like they're not yep. serving sentences, it, you know, due to COVID. So you've got all these criminals that are out there on the streets. And then when Antifa does commit a crime, they're they're given a ticket and a slap on the wrist and not prosecuted. Yeah. You know? They so let what them right expect? back out. They want yep. this, I mean, that their ultimate objective is to have crime and destruction because then it makes President Trump look bad. Like, like they want our world to be full of stress and fear. Let's just put it that way. They want us to mm -hmm. live like that. That's exactly what these people want. But look at how they sell it to you on the media. Peaceful protests for racial justice. Bullcrap. This has made the, um, you know, our, it, it's just gotten worse. And again, a lot of these areas, they were burning down minority-owned businesses. I don't want to hear that these are peaceful protests for racial justice. That is nonsense. Um, and then this, um, this article 